warning, today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. Welcome to Then Is Now Podcast. I am your host, Rigor. In this series of special Then Is Now episodes, 13 Days of Hallowtober, we're exploring what are widely regarded as the scariest movies of all time. I am joined once again by filmmaker Chris Esper. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me back. Glad to have you. Today's film is Get Out from 2017, and I'm going to give a brief synopsis here, and then we'll dive right into it. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter. I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. You ready for this? I'm back in the beat. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how are you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Mom, it's a terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. There's too many white people, I get nervous. <laughs> no. No. No, 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 no. A mom is a terrible thing to waste. 
Photographer Chris Washington is apprehensive as he prepares to meet the family of his white girlfriend, Rose Armitage. Later, at the Armitage house in rural upstate New York, Rose's brother Jeremy and their parents, neurosurgeon Dean and hypnotherapist Missy, make disconcerting comments about black people. Chris witnesses strange behavior from the estate's black housekeeper, Georgina, and the groundskeeper, Walter. When Chris is unable to sleep, Missy pressures him into a hypnotherapy session to cure his smoking addiction. In a trance, he expresses guilt over his mother's death in a hit-and-run when he was a child and sinks into a void that Missy calls the sunken place. The next morning, he assumes that the encounter was a dream until Walter acknowledges their brief encounter the night before. Georgina unplugs his phone accidentally, air quotes, draining its battery. Dozens of wealthy white people arrive for the Armitage's annual get-together. They express admiration for Chris's physique and for black figures such as Tiger Woods. Jim Hudson, a blind art dealer, takes a particular interest in Chris's photography skills. Chris meets another black man, Logan King, who behaves strangely and is married to a much older white woman. Chris calls his friend, TSA officer Rod Williams, about the strange behavior. Chris tries to photograph Logan inconspicuously, but when the flash goes off, Logan becomes hysterical, shouting at Chris to get out. The others restrain him, and Dean claims that Logan had an epileptic seizure. Away from the party, Chris convinces Rose that they should leave. Meanwhile, Dean holds an auction with a photo of Chris, which Hudson wins. Rod recognizes Logan, quote-unquote, as Andre Hayworth, a missing man. Suspecting a conspiracy, Rod goes to the police, but no one believes him. While Chris packs to leave, he finds photos of Rose in prior relationships with black people, including Walter and Georgina, contradicting her claim that Chris is her first black boyfriend. He tries to leave the house, but Rose and her family block him. Chris attacks Jeremy, but Missy uses a trigger that she implanted during his hypnosis, knocking him out. Chris awakens strapped to a chair in the basement, realizing that he's stuck in a nightmare scenario that's all too real. He must fight to escape or lose his life. So, uh, first impressions, Chris, what did you think of this movie? Well, I saw in this. Fact, in... you recommended it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, I saw this in the theater when it had come out, and uh, I saw it with a friend of mine, and... Uh... Uh, both of us were glued to the screen and I left the theater uh, feeling a lot of things uh, you know uh, for one thing it did creep me out and then the other feeling I got from it was uh, trying to think of how to explain it I came out of it with a lot more uh, in terms of the depth that uh, that it had uh, which I appreciated um, well, I think what really impressed me the most is the fact that this is Jordan Peele's first feature film as a director. Yes. And uh, took him six years to get to get this film made. Um, you know, of course, he was doing a lot of comedic material. So for him to jump into this was just incredible. And, you know, I you know, and uh, one of my impressions was, you know, it had a very classical horror movie feel to it. it like and but yet it felt like. Uh, a Twilight Zone uh, episode, and which you know Jordan Peele went on to do a uh, uh, Twilight Zone a remake new version. of yeah remake of his own. Yeah. So it was very fitting, and I thought it was very enjoyable. It had a lot of humor in it, uh, and yet at the same time, it has a social commentary in it that's not heavy-handed, doesn't beat you over the head with it, and it was just it was something fresh and exciting. Yes, absolutely. I think his directing is sol solid. Um, he's done a lot of comedy work, especially with Keegan-Michael Peel, where they were Key and Peel. Mm -hmm. And um, they, oh, one of the things, too, is... I'm sorry, Keegan-Michael Key, <laughs> which I missed, I mistyped that. So they were Key and Peel. Um, and prior to this, the two had done a movie called Keanu, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. I don't think and I've seen it was, that. Yeah. Oh, it's a great movie. It's, it? There are these nice. two regular... 
they're like these regular white collar workers and their cat gets accidentally stolen by these these gangbangers so they have to go and pretend to be gangbangers to try and rescue the cat <laughs> okay <laughs> and the cat's the cat's named keanu and it's just hilarious it's it's definitely worth seeing i i remember i've seen that like three or four times it's, it's just the funniest thing that reminds me that synopsis alone remind or, or plot line rather that reminds me of uh a very underground comedy with Crispin Glover called Ruben and Ed, where where they ha- where he and uh, Howard Hessman go on a buddy road trip to bury a dead cat. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen, but it's hysterical. <laughs> yeah, it's so. I've never seen that one. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very out there and very weird uh, in the best way. But and anyway, I'm, I digress. <laughs> That's fine. What a great cast, Crispin Glover and Howard Hessman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, and one of the things I, I did want to bring up, I'll bring up now because you had just mentioned it, and I, I, I totally agree with it. As I, when I first watched this movie, my wife and I watched it, I think, when it first came on video back in 2017 or 2018. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember thinking it was going to be a heavy-handed movie about racism and stuff. Right. And, and hitting us over the head with the message. And it's not, and it just totally turns the whole thing on its ear, and it has nothing to do with racism. It's and everything to do with these crazy people that want to transfer their brains. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The theme of racism is very much under the surface. You know. I mean, it's uh, well, I mean, it's there, uh, and it's uh, and it's obvious what the theme is, but it's not obvious in the way where you know it's beating you over the head with it. Um, something it's like almost something like um, let's say Crash from 2006 which i know one best picture i was not a fan of that movie only because it was just so heavy-handed you know this i don't think i've seen that is that the one with um what's his name james spader mm, i think that might be the david Cronenberg movie that you might be thinking of i'm not sure oh okay yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah that's he... the one where they they get off on the accidents yeah uh yeah 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 Oh wait! Oh wait! Oh wait! I'm sorry. No, Crash is from 2004. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's see, who's in it? Sandra Bullock. Hmm. Yeah. One. Yeah. It had one Best Picture of the Year. It came out. But anyway. Oh yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That movie was about racism, and you know. But I found it to be. I found that one to be very heavy, like just very heavy-handed. Whereas, you know, this um, w- through its abstract imagery and surrealism was brilliant. I found. Right. I thought so, too. Um, so let's get into the cast a little bit. We talked about Jordan Peele, the director, who also wrote the movie, which I think is, is he just does an amazing job with the mm-hmm. story. Um, we've got Daniel Kaluuya as uh, Chris Washington, and he's been in quite a few things. And I'm just going to go over uh, just some of the highlights would be Kick-Ass 2, Sicario and Black Panther, which mm-hmm. I, as I was watching it this time around, I recognize him from Black Panther. Right. Uh, yeah, this movie was the first time I've actually seen it that I could, because uh, I'm thinking like I thought he looked familiar. I wasn't sure where I've seen him from, uh, and then upon looking at his credits, is when I said, "Oh wait, a minute, I've seen that. I've seen that." W- right after this, I saw his famous monologue that he did in Black Mirror. Um, you know, just like a clip of it, and he was fantastic in that. Uh, um, just in that moment alone. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. That's cool. And one thing I loved about his performance here, like especially when he first gets to to the family's house and he's sitting at the dinner table and the brother's kind of drunk and acting all weird and the parents are acting a little weird too. And um, he's just got this bemused look on his face. Like he's just totally taking it in and he's entertained by their antics. Like 
because they, they sort of come across as trying not to be racist, but then they're overdoing it to the point where they are actually saying things that might be insulting to people. And he's just got this like grin on his face through the whole scene <laughs> until the brother <laughs> yeah. starts to try and use his judo on him. And that's when right. he's like, no, yeah. dude, no, I don't do that with drunk people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, that part of it was, uh, was a lot of fun. Cause there was a certain, uh, 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 there's a there's a certain awkwardness to that uh you know to that scene uh and uh uh but again you know he has that grin the whole time on his face and he's like just take it and yeah. take, take it and and we as the viewer are also feeling the same exact thing so that that right there works really well because we are sort of in the same position as chris the character of chris is in that moment uh so it uh so that that part of it worked really well yeah Absolutely. Then we have Allison Williams, who plays his girlfriend, Rose Armitage, and she's had a few short roles, mostly on uh, TV shows, including The Mindy Project and A Series of Unfortunate Events, the TV series. Right. She's good in this because I, even this time around, I, I actually, when I watched it back in 2017, I had forgotten like pretty much everything in this movie. And it was one of those things when I watched it last night, I was remembering it as I was seeing it. And I forgot that not only was she in on the whole secret of what was going on, but she just turns her whole character does a 180, and she's just this cold, cold, heartless wench. And um, yeah, is, like I, I can't even describe it. It's just, it oozes from her. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, yeah. Yeah. Her turn. Uh, what uh, the, something about her turn really worked because usually when that kind of thing happens in movies like you get you get one of two things either it works well or, or either the turn seems obvious that she's actually in on it here it, it worked like a charm and i think that's because of the way she performs it you know it is just she's she's flawless right and even like when she and and she's um she's smart too because when she's talking when rod calls uh, towards the end, when Rod calls uh, Chris's phone, trying to find him, she answers it, and then he tells her to hold on for a minute. And he he's of course talking to himself, telling, informing the audience that he's going to record the call. And when he comes back, she starts, she turns the conversation completely around and is saying how he's always wanted to have her and wanted to have sex with her and all this stuff. And sure. so he can't he and so she knows. She's one step ahead of him. She knows that he's probably recording it, and he can't take that to the police because it makes him look bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So then we've got Catherine Keeper, who played Missy Armitage, uh, uh, Rose's mother. She's had a long career since the 80s, and I'm yes. just going to briefly say that she was in uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Bad Grandpa, and Incredibles 2, just to name a few. A yeah. A few. Um, yeah. She's awesome in this. She is awesome in this, and she is... When I first saw this, um, she was the actor. She was the person that I knew the most out of anyone in the cast because I've seen a lot of her films. Yet, uh, I think the first movie I ever saw with her was Death to Smoochie. Oh, okay. With have Rob you seen Williams. That? Yeah, with Rob Williams and uh, no, Edward I have Nor not seen that one. Yeah, Edward Norton, Dane DeVito, uh, who also directed the movie, and uh, that one. Just to sort of go on a brief thing about that, um, you know, that one was a movie that did not do well was not well received in any way and you know kind of a cult movie now but uh i knew her best from that but you know of course i've seen her in a lot of charlie kaufman uh movies you know of course being john malkovich and synecdoche new york and she's brilliant in in those oh, movies yeah. yeah yeah she's great in those and uh just always found her to be a very solid performer i want to say mm, 
I keep for some reason when uh, I thought she was in um, I'm thinking of anything Kaufman's new movie, but yeah, no, she wasn't. I thought she was, but yeah, no, she's not. <laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, she's yeah, uh, she yeah, was solid really, actress. And she was creepy too. She was creepy, and I love the scene with her uh, when she's having the tea, and you know she gets Chris into you know into that black portal, if you will. Uh, that scene was just right. creepy. Right, right, and it, it just it. I loved how it's um, uh, it's how you could imagine if you're going into um, what does she call it? She called it um, so the sunken place. And if you can imagine just going into your mind like that, and you're seeing the image of what your body's looking at, but it looks like a little TV screen, yes, far away from you, and you're just floating into this void. That's like outer space. It, it was just a perfect, I thought, a perfect representation of how it could feel if you're being hypnotized. Oh, yeah. Which Absolutely. I've never been, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know either. But, uh, but I mean, again, uh, it, again, what, what makes that work so well is um, not only the way it was done in terms of the filmmaking, but really in her performance because she just sells it. And, you know, and she... Uh, yeah, there, there's something in that moment. Yeah, there's something that's very uh, creepy about about her. Creepy and also dangerous. I thought I yes. got the impression that she she would have at least stabbed him or something. You know, when she I think she even tried right and yeah, um, she stabbed him with the oh, that's right with the letter opener. Right. Yes. Right through his hand, and he <laughs> doesn't even flinch. He just pushes forward, which is an awesome scene. Oh yeah, no, it is an awesome scene. Yeah, and and as the film progresses, she gets progressively. Uh, scarier, creepier, and uh, I yeah I can't I can't really say I've seen her do a role quite like this. Um, you know she's usually very subdued I find in in the roles I've seen her, but this was uh, this get this clearly gave her a chance to do more. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on, we've got Bradley Whitford as the father, Dean Armitage. Now this guy is another great character actor who has been in tons of stuff. He was in, you know, Law and Order, Shameless, The West Wing. He was the lead in a sitcom that I used to watch called Trophy Wife. He's also ah. in, um, yeah, he was also in uh, Cabin in the Woods, and he was in the new Godzilla film, Godzilla: King of the Monsters. But to me, more recently, I always think of him as Joseph Lawrence from his amazing performance in The Handmaid's Tale. H have you seen that? I have not. No. Oh, the Handmaid's Tale is a it's a great show, and that's, that's a topic for another day. But yeah, um, he, he's basically this uh, this guy who's like I pegged what his ca I don't want to give too much away because I think people should actually go and watch the, sure. the Handmaid's Tale, which is on Hulu. But he I pegged what type of character his character was when I first saw him. And I wasn't disappointed. I was absolutely right, and I was kind of rooting for him at certain points in the show. Yeah. So, and and that's just, I think, a testament to his acting. Is I could just tell from his mannerisms and sure. what he was saying and yeah. doing that he was a specific type of character that was really, really cool. Yeah. When he first appeared on screen here, he's one of those actors where I knew his face, uh, you know, but I didn't know his name, and I can't, and I couldn't remember what 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 movies he was in. Um, but um. Yeah, he just had, he's one of those actors where you look at them and you go, wait a minute, he's that guy that was in that thing. I just can't remember what it was. Um, but right, uh, right, <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and uh, yeah, I I didn't realize the extent of the movies that he's done. You know, going back to the mid '80s. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. he's he's had a long career. And again, yeah, it's funny that you said that because I have a book called um, it's called Names That You You Can't Remember with Faces That You'll Never Forget. Right. And it's about yes. character actors mm-hmm. like him. And I, I mean, it's it's about older characters, but it's the same concept. You know, it's you see these people all the time. And half the time, like I'm the type that I do remember their names. I can't. I, I'll, I'll, toy, I'll tell you, Chris. I work at a hotel, and I work with people, and I hope they're not listening. That I've worked with for two or three years now, they know my name. I have no <laughs> idea what their name is. I'll pass them in the hall, and they'll be like, "Hi, Roger." And I'm like, "Hey, you." And but yet, I can remember. You know, Bradley Whitford played. Uh, you know, the Bob in Trophy Wife or whatever. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So yeah, and he's another one that gives a a, a, a creepy performance. I think all, all of the whole family and even the guests, they all did a great job of being creepy. Oh yeah, in they this do. Movie. Yep. We'll return to Thirteen Days of Hellotober after these messages. Hello, this is Rod Barnett. I'm the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast that examines films from across the decades. On The Bloody Pit. We have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction films. There's an in-depth look at the Western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil. And our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project, people. It's going to take us a long time. Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens. Except when we don't? Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on The Bloody Pit. So join me for The Bloody Pit. For a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to the discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio.
Hey folks, I just wanted to take a minute here to tell you about the hosting service that we use at Haven Podcasts, podserve.fm. Podcast hosting has never been easier. They do all the work to get your podcast on Apple Podcasts and other major podcast networks. They help you navigate the podcasting world, whether you're brand new or have years of experience. Folks, I can't tell you how happy I am with their service. When I first started this podcast, I searched around intensely for the right hosting platform. I found PodServe and used their simple four-step process, and in a short amount of time, my podcasts were on the internet and available through all the major podcast networks. And their customer support is unreal. Every time I goof things up and make a mistake, like uh, posting the wrong show to the wrong feed, I email them, and I kid you not, within minutes I get a response and the problem is resolved. And they're the only podcasting host that actually helps you get listeners. Other podcast hosts stop at Podcast Upload and don't help promote your podcast. Well, PodServe makes sure your podcast is seen by thousands of people. The promotion is free, and they put you on PodParadise.com, which has over 5,000 visits a day from avid podcast listeners and is growing every day. Each day, Pod Paradise selects five podcasts to spotlight on their front page. Maybe yours could be there soon. PodServe's pricing is simple. Only 19 bucks a month. That's it. No tiered pricing platform, just one low fee. For 19 bucks a month, you get unlimited storage, unlimited podcasts, free podcast promotion, your podcasts on all platforms, detailed download analytics, one-on-one customer support. You pay month to month, and you can cancel at any time. And when you sign up, you get 14 days free. You don't even have to give them your credit card. I love their service so much, I put a reminder in my phone to add my credit card when the 14 days was almost up. I couldn't give them my 19 bucks fast enough. I'm telling you, I, I really didn't believe it until I actually signed up and saw my podcast on everything from iTunes to Stitcher and Spotify and more in a ridiculously short amount of time. So if you've got a podcast and you don't have a hosting platform, I highly recommend podserve.fm. Check them out. Now, we've got Lyle Ray Howie, who plays Chris's friend, Rod Williams. And uh, not only was he hilarious here, uh, he's got a really good career going. He's been in a lot of comedies, like In Living Color, and he did a serious turn in the movie Bird Box. Um, he, but he's also done voiceover work in Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, the newer animated show, and Angry Birds movie, too. No kidding. And his character, Rod, here, he, he reminds me of... Um, Michael Payne's character, Luis, in Ant-Man. Because oh, he's just got okay. that energetic, yeah. you know, knows knows what's good for his friend, but he's just so overbearing that the friend doesn't really pay attention to what he's saying until yeah. it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, his character was a, uh, uh, was a great breath of fresh air for this movie. You know, he uh, broke up the uh, all the tension-filled scenes with some humor, uh, you know, particularly the ending when he shows up, uh, that I thought that was great. Right. <laughs> Which it makes me wonder if this movie was just a commercial for the, for the TSA. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently aside from checking passages for unlawful goods and maybe weapons, they, they solve crimes too. So yeah, apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. His last line in the film was awesome where he, he's sitting there and he's trying to find the words. And you're wondering, what the heck is he going to say? I mean, poor Chris is just so traumatized. And he finally just says, I told you not to go in that house. (laughs) (laughs) If I remember remember correctly, on uh, on my Blu-ray copy, there are 
a few deleted moments or scenes where he improvised different ways, uh, different ways to end the movie. I wish I could remember off the top of my head what exactly, you know, he improvised, but he did, but they did so many different takes with him saying different things, uh, for this ending. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, that's not, I mean, that's a lot of fun when you're able to get so much material and then pick, you know, pick what works. Right. Right. Absolutely. Now, uh, uh, for me personally, just to round out the cast here, there were a few other um, character actors that stood out to me. You've got Stephen Root, who played the blind art gallery owner, Jim Hudson, and Mm -hmm. Richard Hurd, who was the grandfather, Roman Armitage, who we only see him in a video. So Stephen Root, he's been in a zillion things. He's another one that, as soon as you see his face, you you recognize him. He was in everything from Black Rain to Ghost to Night of the Scarecrow and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, uh, Dodgeball, True Blood, as well as doing a voice in Finding Nemo, and he's done quite a few uh, voices for DC animated movies. Right. And so th- this guy's another guy that's just been all over the place for well, decades. Well, we, we also can't forget him as Milton in Office Space. Oh, you know, I never watched Office Space. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I've seen yeah. bits of the British version, but I've never watched the American version. No, no, no. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. I'm not talking about The Office. I'm talking about Office Space. The Mike Judge movie. Oh, I did see that actually. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's the guy that's like. He's the guy that's like. Oh, he, you know, he's like that really meek and mild guy with the stapler, and he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, with my stapler. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh my god, <laughs> it just totally popped in my head there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a riot. And I thought he was interesting, and it was cool how he was like, you know, the whole premise is that these these rich people want to take their brains and put them into younger, stronger bodies. Right. And they want that. It's a it's a way of immortality. And and um, he's talking to Chris. Chris is strapped to the chair, but there's an intercom so they can communicate. And he's being broadcast on this old fashioned TV set. And he basically says, he says, I don't care if you're black or whatever color you are. He's like, I just want your eyes so that I can see yeah. because Chris is a great photographer. And somehow, you know, he equates the fact that, it, well, if he's got a good eye, it must be physical, not really mental, sure. which is, you know, kind of messed up to begin with. Not only are you going to take this guy's body, but you also think his eyes are going to somehow do something that your eyes couldn't do, you know? Right, yes. So I mean, just if you're going to do that to, you know, to a, it's one thing if they said, you know, well, we built this android body and when you get sick, we'll put your brain in it. That's, yeah. okay, that's fine. I can see that. But sure. no, we're going to capture this person and force him to, <laughs> onto the operating table and then swap right. your brain out. Right. The, I think therein lies the true horror of this film. What, without a doubt, yeah. So now Richard Hurd is also another character actor whose his, his career goes back to the 70s. Um, he appears as, um, what did I say? He appears as uh, uh, Roman Armitage on the video on the old-fashioned TV, and he's right. the grandfather, which now is he... All right, let me get into his character, then I'll ask you my question. So he's um, goes back to the 70s. He was in Hercules in New York, and uh, he was also okay. in All the President's Men... <laughs> The, yeah, <laughs> he was in. Uh, I think that was with um, with uh, Lou Ferrino. He was in uh, All the President's Men, The China oh no, Syndrome. Schwar- oh, oh, oh no, that was Schwarzenegger. Oh, it was Schwarzenegger? That's right. Okay, yeah. Hercules in New York. I thought that was Hercules Goes Bananas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was in The China Syndrome. He was in yep. the movie Fist with Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Deal of the oh, Century, yeah. the comedy with Dan Aykroyd and uh, Bill Murray. No, no, uh, Chevy Chase. Yep. And he. 
He was also in The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which was a fun TV show, and if you've never had a chance, you should really seek that one out. Yeah. With Bruce Campbell in the lead. And he's probably best remembered, at least in my mind. This is where I recognize him from all the time. He played John in the TV miniseries V and V, The Final Battle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think you had even mentioned V earlier, and V was a big event in my household, and his face is just indelibly etched in my brain from that. Yeah, V. Um, yeah, V. Yeah, V was something I discovered a lot later, um, primarily because of um, I had seen other work that the uh, that the creator of that show had done, Kenneth Johnson, and uh, right, was right, was, yeah. was sort of going back and looking at one of the things he's done. I saw this thing called V, had not seen it, you know, and heard of it certainly. Finally watched it, you know, and that that show is, you know, you know, it's funny that we're talking about social commentary with Get Out. You know, you look at that show, I mean, you know, talk about, you know, great commentary, you know, uh, and done with the science fiction backdrop. Right. And like even the the visitors, their symbol is almost like a swastika. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, some would call it today, like, you know, some would call it a bit heavy handed, but I think it still works. I think it's a, I, th- I thought that was a great show. Yeah, I did too. I think the cast was good. I mean, we, could, we should probably do a whole show on, on V and V, the yeah, final battle. it's a great show. Touch mm-hmm. on the TV series a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, let's see. There was one other thing I wanted to talk about this movie is that the um, the whole uh, auction scene is done oh, yeah. so well. Because and it was funny because uh, the the father Dean says, "All right, everybody, let's play bingo." And you think he's kidding, of course. And then they've sure. all got these bingo cards, which I guess were identifiers because they each had a different row, uh, colored in on their bingo card. Mm-hmm. And he's doing this auction without talking at all. He mm-hmm. he puts his fingers up for like I guess what was the first one was what a thousand dollars, yeah, and then. Then two thousand, and it kept just kept going up and up until finally it was um the uh, what's his name the, the um the blind guy that gets that wins and basically he's going to pay like what six or seven thousand dollars or was it ten thousand for Chris? Mm, I can't remember now what the price was. It's escaping me. Yeah, I but. can't either. But it's an exorbitant amount, and it's yeah. again it adds to the chillingness of their like literally. And there you go. You know, talk about social commentary. It was almost like a parallel to the old slavery when yes. they would put them up for auction. Right. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and again, uh, a lot of it, um, you know, was, uh, 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 when listening to the commentary on the, on, uh, on the Blu-ray with Jordan Peele, he goes into a lot of details about certain things that he chose to do, why he did it. Uh, so he talked heavily about that scene and, you know, how he was, uh, influenced by, the the concept of uh you know how slavery slavery had worked um you know with uh, auctioning off uh and also other little details like one of the first shots in the movie is chris uh putting shaving cream on his face and he got and like he you know jordan peele said something to the effect of yeah so notice how he's putting white shaving cream on his face and shaving it off and i'm like huh okay yeah so you know just those little <laughs> details they really yeah they really add to it Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's good. And I, I actually, um, I remembered my question I was going to ask you from earlier. Uh, Richard Hurd played uh, the grandfather, Roman Armitage. Was was that the grandfather that was in the body of the younger black guy that was that was running past Chris when he was, just before he got hypnotized? 
He was sort of the he, groundskeeper? Yes. Yes. As far as, yes. Okay. So, that, so that's him. All right. So that makes sense. I, I yeah. wasn't sure because they didn't really come out and say it. So I was. No, I was it, was so, it was sort of. Um, I, it took me a few viewings to realize that as well. But I mean, uh, what one uh, upon viewing it now, uh, it's not outright said, but I think it's pretty evident when you do watch the movie that it could have very well been him that that was in that that was in that uh, character. Right. I think I agree. I think that was that had to be him. Which, mm-hmm. It would make sense, you know. Oh yeah, no, it definitely would make sense. Oh, and uh, the other thing about that about that auction scene as well is I love the character of Andre. Uh, you know, and like his, the, the actor that played him, um, uh, Lakeith, uh, Stanfield, I loved all his facial expressions. He was wonderful. Which one was he? Uh, he was the guy that had, um, he was like, uh, he was the guy that had the nosebleed when Chris photographed him. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. He yeah. was really good. Yeah. Yeah. He was good. The, the, uh, the woman that had, uh, played the maid, I, I, her name escapes me now, but, uh, Georgina. I really like. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah. And uh, I really loved her performance as well. Like the scene where she confronts him with uh, about the cell phone, as she's tearing up, there was something very hypnotizing about, no pun intended, very hypnotizing <laughs> about that. Yeah, very hypnotizing about that scene. Well, yeah, because I, I got the impression that she was fighting against the hypnosis. So she's smiling yes. and laughing, but there's a tear coming down her face, like inside right. her mind. She just knows she can't break free. Yeah. Exactly, and well, and same with Andre as well. It's very evident in his exactly. face, and then, and then, then when he when he has what they say is a seizure when he photographs him, uh, you know that's where things really start to unravel uh, for the character of Chris. Right, and you can see in Andre's face that he's he's also fighting against it, and that's why he tells him to get out was not that he didn't like him or anything. It was a warning. It was telling him was get a, yourself yep. out of the house now before mm-hmm. what happens to me happens to you. Right. Well, and again, when he photographs him and he he basically comes out of the hypnosis in that moment and we see the real person uh, behind it. And and, uh, you know, that's him really saying, no, get out like like, you know, like get out of here. (laughs) But uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was very effective and powerful scene. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of those performances were were under underplayed so well, like it was a lot of facial expressions that you could just read what mm-hmm. was going on mm-hmm. with those characters. Right. So one last thing I wanted to bring up is this movie reminded me, at least on this viewing, it reminded me of a 1973 film called Nothing But The Night with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. And it's it's very similar premise where you've got a, gr- a bunch of older people that capture a bunch of kids and want to transfer their brains into the kids and i wonder if this i mean obviously jordan peele is a fan of of old horror stuff and twilight zone and all that i wonder if this was sort of an inspiration for him or an homage Mm. i haven't i've heard of that movie i believe i can't say i've seen it um is it good it is good it's good it's different it's very different from the usual lee and cushing movies sure Um, but again it's nice to see them on screen and it's kind of a slow burn but right. I, I enjoyed this one. Yeah, well, and, and that's sort of what I liked about Get Out as well. It was in, uh, I mean, um, that it was also a slow burn, uh, slow burn uh, in its own way, uh, kind of harkening back to those movies of the '70s, which they took their time. Uh, they were pretty downbeat. Uh, I found in that in that decade. Not that this movie right. was was downbeat, but it was very. But I mean, it was you know more or less uh, a realistic portrayal of racism 
Yeah. And I said to my wife at the end of the movie, I said, if this movie had been made in the 1970s, it would not have ended the way it did. It would have oh, ended no. where you think he gets away or whatever. And then the camera pans to uh, the camera looks at him and he turns around and he's got the scar on his head like his brain has been transferred out. Right. And that's how I think they would have ended it in the 70s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. We, yeah. We would have seen a much different ending uh, than, than we would have gotten you know, here. Right. Okay, so, Chris, uh, final thoughts on uh, Get Out. Did you find it scary, and would you recommend it to younger audiences? I did find it scary, yeah. It was one of the few times I could say where I did have fear when watching a movie, particularly in the cinema. Uh, I remember first seeing it and getting to the, uh, uh, particularly to the hypnosis scene and the scene where Andre is photographed. Uh, Those two scenes in particular, they really had me uh, jumping out of my seat and, and also... Uh, towards the end as Chris is escaping the house. that That's one of the few movies I could say in a long time that truly had me at the edge of my seat where I was like, you know, like you like like you wanted to root for this guy. Uh, so I uh, definitely recommend it without question. Excellent, excellent. I do too. I think it definitely, I agree 100% with what you just said. You, you're on the edge of your seat and the, the first time you're watching it, or like I said, for me this time around, I had forgotten the movie. It, you're just, it keeps you guessing. From beginning yes. to end, you have no idea what's going to happen next. You even try to predict what's going to happen next, and you can't figure it out. No, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Nothing about it is predictable. Nothing about it is telegraphing. It just all, you know, the whole thing is fresh from beginning to end. And it's it's creepy as all heck. It really. Oh uh, it's yeah. Very effective. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. This has shown up on on quite a few lists of scariest movies of all time. I wouldn't personally. I didn't find it all that scary. I thought it was uh, thrilling and creepy and definitely Mm -hmm. engaging, but I wasn't as scared as I was, say, maybe when I first saw Jaws. But again, I didn't see this in the movie theater, so that might have had a different effect on me had I seen it. Right, and well, well, let's just say, I'm not sure it's a movie that's meant to be, you know, quote, scary, but more or less uh, a movie that is more or less creepy, um, sort of in the same way that, right, disturbing, sort of in the same way that Hitchcock movie is maybe not so much uh, scary, but more more or less suspenseful. Right, right, absolutely. Nonetheless, yeah. it's a great movie, and great uh, movie. I highly recommend yep. it. Well, thanks a lot, Chris, for coming on the show, and we hope to have you uh, again in the future on another Then Is Now episode. Oh, absolutely, we'd love to. Well, we hope you enjoyed this special edition episode of Then Is Now called. 13 days of Hallotober. If you want to chime in on today's show, please send us an email at thenisnow42 at gmail.com. And you can also check out our website, havenpodcasts.com. And we have another show called The East Meets the West, where we discuss spaghetti westerns and Shaw Brothers movies. So we hope you check that show out as well. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes so that more people can find us and spread the word about Then Is Now. Join us again next episode. Then is now podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media.